Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. This episode is sponsored by Script Runner. Script Runner is a great solution to centrally manage PowerShell scripts and standardize and automate IT tasks via a graphical user interface for help desk or end users. Check that out on scriptrunner.com. My name is Tobias, and I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Toby. Interesting things here. I've been trying out intermittent fasting lately. And I'm not an expert on this, so, so don't quote me on, on, on how to do this the best. So nothing major. And I haven't done the discussion with myself why exactly I'm doing this now. Uh, but essentially what I'm trying is, is something fairly easy. So I will aim to have a 12 to 14 hour window each day where I am not eating anything. Uh, so instead of having like a regular semi-grand supper, like, like we often do here in the Nordic, so we do dinner at five, it's five exactly. And then often at eight-ish, eight o'clock in the evening, you sort of feel, well, I still need to eat something. And, and then you go to bed. So, so my plan has been that after dinner, which is five o'clock, five o'clock sharp, I do something super small at six or 6.30 then nothing before a healthy big breakfast the next morning. And I've been doing this for about a week now. The result, uh, I do wake up in the morning and I don't feel hungry, even if, if I now eat one meal less. So, so let's see how this goes. It might be that I, I stop tomorrow, but for now it feels fun and a little bit something different to challenge myself. How does that work with your energy levels throughout the day? Because I, I usually have some snacks and for me, a snack that's like a fruit, some cottage cheese or yogurt or something like this, um, you know, maybe with some cereal, some healthy snacks along the day, just to keep the energy levels up and, and also like a cup of tea or something like this. It, it works quite well. So, so the breakfast for me, that's, that's key. And then I aim to have a fairly light lunch or more of a salad and fruit than, than, you know, like a huge steak or a spaghetti or pasta in general. And then the dinner is going to be healthy and big again. And I'm, I'm measuring my, my daily calorie consumption. So on an active day, when I, when I go to the gym or do something else, it's close to 4,000 on a, on a sort of recovery dates, 2,700 to 3,000. So, so I've been surprised that I don't feel like I'm running out of energy. I, I, I feel it's, for now at least, for the past week, it feels that eating more consciously rather than eating more often seems to work for now. It might be that I have to go back to the old model, but, but let's see. It might also be the summer. There's more light. You, eat, you, you sleep better now. So all things considered, it's been fun, but let's see. All right. I'm looking forward to see the, the results of that uh, after you tried it for some time. Definitely interesting. And about sleeping better, well, it doesn't matter how I eat because I've got a one and a half year old who wakes up in the middle of the night screaming anyway. <laughs> so it's a lot of walking, a lot of pampering, a lot of uh, carrying during the night. So on my side, what I've been up to is I've now been looking into a few remote working areas and I'm evaluating those. And I really miss the days of having the option to go to the office. And in my case, that means mostly that I miss people and the social aspect, not that I miss having a place to work because I have a pretty great home office that I managed to, to set up now with the new house. So I usually get a lot more focus time at home and, and I get 
you know, thoughts and experiences of others in a different way if you meet in person in the office. So there's this difference where if you only want focus time, my home office is awesome. But oftentimes you need to reflect on things or you just need a break. Like if you're trying to solve a, a problem or if you're facing something and you don't have the solution and you need to find a new train of thought or a new pattern to think, I find it really relaxing just to go out and talk to people casually about the weather or the last soccer game or whatever, uh, you know, in the cafeteria or something like this. And then 10 minutes later, you come back and, and you kind of disconnect it from the problem. And then when you get back to it, it's a lot easier to crack it. And that's at least how I work. And also one of the reasons why I move around a lot as well at home. Sometimes I work from the garden. Sometimes I work from inside the main building. Now I work from the home office, which is the, the garage. Uh, that is remodeled into an uh, to a home office. So I, I really miss that. So in the coming weeks now, I'll be exploring the options for remote working or like co-working areas in my region a little bit more. And of course, I'll get back with the evaluation of that and not just what place did I find and, and why do I like it, but also like, what's the result of this? How do I find my days different? Uh, I do now because today I commute from the kitchen to my home office, which is about four meters. That's my commute. It takes about five seconds. So if I do this, I need to do commute. Like I have to get in the car or walk to the bus station, take the bus, change the bus, and then get downtown. You know, the entire process will of course change then. So that's what I'm excited to try out because I've been working from home for eight years. So that's a long time. So I'm definitely looking forward to this. So it's going to be a little bit of experiment on my side as well. I, I hope you will do some sort of a recap, perhaps in a blog or, or during the podcast on, on your experience on this one. Occasionally, I do have a look at the co-working spaces, and I'm surprised how cheap they are now. So you can get a day pass for something like 10 euro, 15 euro. And, and obviously, that only gives you a, a small space on the table. And that's about it. Perhaps the coffee machine is accessible as well. But, but let's, let's, let's hear later how that went. So today we are talking about managed Grafana in Azure. So Grafana is now available in Azure. It's in preview and it's called Azure Managed Grafana. Toby, what's your experience with Grafana? So I have used Grafana a little bit. I have not used it as an expert, but I did explore it for some of my use cases where I need to monitor all the systems running you know, across the globe, ensuring that things are looking good and healthy. So it's like a product used to build operational dashboards for any kind of data, really. So you have metrics. So really, there's two types of things you, you monitor or, or look at in Grafana uh, that I see in its metrics. And that's like CPU usage, temperature, request counts, load on the server, disks, whatever. Anything that's a number. Anything that you can kind of measure in numbers. And the other is logs. So you get the raw logs from your systems like error warning, info, debug, and things like that, and, and all the details that go with it. And then just like you have in log analytics, you can, of course, then make queries and say, I only want the errors or only want exceptions or only want this or I only want that. And same for metrics. You can say, I want to look at specific metrics. Um, and then... I want to mention here, if you're not tuning in and you say, well, I would like to kind of visualize my data a little bit and try this out. And I've never seen Grafana, but I'd love to take a, take a look. I would advise you, and you can do this now if you're tuning in here at the same time, go to play.grafana.org. 
and then you get pre-populated dashboards, a lot of them, and you can just play around with the data and understand how this works. So it's very interactive dashboards. You can take a look, um, browse around, drill down into data. You can really easily see, you know, okay, the memory or the CPU had a peak over here. Why? And you can kind of drill down into that and, and see if you can correlate that and why it happened. So it's kind of similar to Azure Monitor, right? In, in Azure Monitor, we can do this with App Insights and Log Analytics, and we can also visualize things in Log Analytics. One thing that I usually compare like Grafana to, and, and there is no real comparison, you know, it's apples and pears in a way, but the, the train of thoughts I have is similar with Grafana and Azure Workbooks where a workbook for me is an empty slate where I can really design all the insights I need. It can be raw logs in a table. It can be visuals. It can be diagrams. It can be a bar chart, a couple of things showing this is what's happening in your systems across your ecosystem right now. And I see the same with Grafana. And then, of course, they have different, different supportability for different types of services and things like that. But that's my experience with Grafana. I've taken it for a spin. I have used it in a pilot, but never actually used it for real production workloads. Um, part of that was because it was perhaps less accessible for, for me working entirely in Azure. Uh, but now, like you mentioned, this is Azure managed Grafana. So you essentially click the button and you get it as a managed and hosted service. So that kind of eliminates the obstacle that I had. And now I do have the option to, to try this out for my real production workloads as well. So listening to your explanation on the metrics and logs, it's reminding me that it's a bit like Azure Monitor without Azure and without the monitor bits, but everything else is the same. So if you go to grafana.com, the, the tagline is the open observability platform. I really like this approach. So it's really a platform as opposed to a single service. And it's for observing, it's for building dashboards, it's for building reports. So my exposure to Grafana is I've set it up a couple of times, mostly for some hobby projects to understand how this works. And, and it's, it's not inherently complex, but oftentimes you sort of end up configuring the plugins in a weird way. So, so perhaps you can sort of see that it's open source. So it's, it, at times it feels like a mishmash mash of everything thrown together that people felt is important. And, and of course, Microsoft has Power BI, which is, which is a vast ecosystem and a platform. But I feel the difference between Grafana and Power BI is that Grafana is more for operational dashboards. I want to see the status of all, of all of my services in the cloud and on-prem. And if something fails, I will click and drill down. Obviously, you can build this with Power BI. But whenever I start doing something with Power BI, it's more about shuffling the data, opening Excel, doing Power Queries, thinking about the DAX uh, syntax, all of that, which sort of takes me away from actually building the dashboard. I did look and I openly admit I haven't installed Grafana on all the possible platforms before it became available in Azure. So it's supported on Linux, Windows, Mac OS, and Docker, and obviously on Kubernetes then. Uh, do you recall, Toby, when you tried this out the last, did you go with the, with the Docker route 
or Linux or Windows, because I doubt you went with the Mac OS route. Yeah, I, I don't have a, um, an Apple device at all in my house, so I didn't do that. I mean, I, I recently tried this out, and using Docker is pretty simple. Like The instructions are there. You run this, you pull the image down, this is how you do it. Pretty simple. Uh, but again, that was a proof of concept or more uh, test scenario, and, and that was easy to do. But again, no production workloads, um, so not spinning that up into the, into the cloud, but more local Docker tests on my end. Okay, and, and once you have it up and running, so this could be something you install yourself, so you do not perhaps care about the managed bits in Azure. You could install this in a virtual machine. You could install this on Docker. I haven't checked what the binary architecture or, or the CPU architecture is for the Docker image that they are offering. So can you run this on, on ARM64 implying Raspberry Pi? Or does it have to be an Ubuntu Linux actually running that? But perhaps that's something to check on later after we're done with recording this. So once you have Grafana up and running, uh, you bring in data. And it could be data from Azure Monitor, uh, which implies log analytics. It could be data from SQL Server. And I did have a look at them at the marketplace where it lists all the available plugins for Grafana. So, so there's the usual suspects like Jira and Snowflake and the other enterprise style uh, data sources. But then there's interesting bits like base64 image encoded support or PDF or CSV files. So it's really grassroots in the sense that where do you have the data? Let's add the plugin, let's pull in the data, let's start building the dashboard. And that I feel is the main difference between Power BI, because Power BI is so much more about sort of cleaning up the data and, and figuring out how do we get to the data. And Grafana is more directly install the plugin, get the data, and, and let's, let's start building on that. So now it's available on Azure. I did have a chance to provision this once, and it's quite unexciting. You create a new Grafana workspace. You grant permissions for the monitoring reader role so that you can actually read stuff from Azure. And that's it. There's, there's nothing else really to do <laughs> with the basic setup. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also did that. Again, uh, super nice, super convenient. Same thing like uh, when I, I've, I've used PostgreSQL in the past running on servers, and then I wanted to try this out and, and operate it in Azure and how we run that in production a lot. Same thing here. I was kind of expecting a, a pretty tough setup, but you enter a couple of things there, like the username and password for the admin user and whatever, and then everything else is managed. And it's pretty nice. You can just pretty much click the button or run a simple script to get that deployed. Same thing here. It's, it's like deploying App Insights, right? You say, I want new App Insights. This is supposed to be the name. This is the region. Okay, done. This is what you get. And then you get the endpoint and you can start connecting to it. Uh, so super simple. Um, so if you've ever looked at Grafana, not in Azure, but overall looked in Grafana or been interested to figure out, you know, what is it? How can I play around with it? How can I connect data to it? Just set it up set it up for a day or two or a week, try it out. It's not massively expensive. I think we'll talk about pricing in a bit. It's convenient to do this. So I, I really like here that Microsoft, again, is focusing on simplicity for you know the companies where they abstract away all this management of the service and just say, you know what? We understand a lot of people want to use Grafana. 
that's okay. We're going to make it a lot easier for you now. You just click the button or you just deploy this resource and that's it. You can securely connect to your, to your Grafana instance and that's yours alone. And then you can start doing things and you can connect your data sources and you can look at the metrics and the logs and everything that you want. So that's pretty cool. So, I mean, if you talk about data sources, like what kind of data would you pull into Grafana if you now say, okay, because I have Azure Monitor, right? If, if I want to do something more, if I want to connect the same data to Grafana just to visualize it differently, or if I have other data I want to pull in, what kind of data can I pull into, into Grafana? So, so there's two data sources that are supported natively with the managed Grafana offering. The first one is Azure Monitor. So whatever you would have in your log analytics, you would be able to pull that to Grafana. <clears throat> you would be able to create a dashboard and, and have alerts and, and, and have the reports done. I, I think this is the main use case for the need to actually set this up. And, and why not just use Azure Monitor then? I feel that Azure Monitor is often most useful for the admins and security operators of Azure subscriptions. You need to figure out what's happening with the VMs. Uh, are we doing good with Azure storage? All sorts of things. But then when you deploy a service, perhaps a custom-built service in Azure, it's not up to the IT admin anymore to worry about that beyond the base services. So the developers, the team operating that custom service, they might need to have their custom dashboard built in. And they would use Grafana and they would simply pull the relevant bits from Azure Monitor. And, and for this, you could grant the monitoring reader role for a select log analytics and, and you would gather all the relevant logs in there. That's the first one. The second one is Azure Data Explorer. I've used this less. I did spend some time with this a couple of years ago when it was announced. And this is, this is really, of course, useful for doing KQL queries across a, a vast variety of sources. So whatever you could see from ADX, Azure Data Explorer, you could also pull to Grafana. But everything else, you need to install a plugin and bring something else. So it could be that you have a system emitting CSV files, which, of course, is the greatest integration file format ever. So you could pull that directly to Grafana without needing to push it first to log analytics and then, then via Azure Monitor to pull it to Grafana. Okay. Yeah, I like that. And so I, and I understand it then as plugins is you have these two main, the Azure Monitor and SQL Server in the managed edition of, of Grafana on Azure. And then you can just, whatever plugins you can find, you can just enable them and say, all right, I want to pull in data from Jira or I want to pull in data, like you say, from a CSV file. And sometimes I still see systems producing a lot of CSV files or maybe JSON files or XML files or whatever format that things are outputted. And then you can just find a plugin for that or maybe build your own, I don't know. The complexity of doing that might be something we can take a look at later. And I like this idea. So it's, it's extendable. It's not just a service designed for one or two purposes. It's a service where you can extend it using the plugin ecosystem as well, which is uh, really where I see a lot of the power coming in because you can then go look um, on the marketplace or go look in Grafana and see what plugins do I have for other data sources and how can I make sure that uh, I can kind of plug those in. 
because I know that there's like for data sources, there's a lot of different types like InfluxDB, Loki, Elasticsearch, uh, Prometheus. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can use to kind of dig your data or dig down into your data and connect that to to this. You can connect AWS, CloudWatch, uh, you have Cognitive Data Fusion, um, Discourse, if you have a data source from that, like a Doom server. I know that in the play.grafana.org, they have a few samples also for data source. And I, I know they have Google BigQuery, Google Cloud Monitoring. Uh, so if you want to do like the whole multi-cloud thing and you want to pull all the monitoring tools into a single pane of glass and you want to see everything, then that might be a good option because you can really get very good insights using that. So, I mean, the, the list of data sources that I see just just taking a look at it, it's quite a lot. You can also pull directly from PostgreSQL, MySQL, um, in addition then to Microsoft SQL Server. So there's a lot of plugins and a lot of ways to kind of plug in data. Now, the answer I don't have is which of those data sources or plugins exists for Azure Managed Grafana, if there is a difference. I don't know today if there's a difference between the plugins you can use in Grafana, you know, server edition or whatever you install in your enterprise on your on your servers and in the managed edition. But that's something you can take a look at if you just Google it or search for it, whatever way you prefer, you should end up with some kind of compatibility or, or like the capabilities or plugin if there's any limitations with that. But that's maybe something to keep in mind that you can do a lot of data sources with Grafana, really pull in data from all the systems you have. Um, and if then Azure Managed Grafana has support for that, that's awesome. I haven't taken a look at that angle yet. So, so one of the things I was positively surprised on when I was going through some of the features in, in the managed Grafana is that Microsoft is pointing to the API support in Grafana. And I figured, well, maybe there's a couple of custom APIs I could use, but actually they're pointing directly to the Grafana API guide. The only thing you need is the traditional, you need to create an Azure AD application, grant the permissions. So essentially, you're, you're creating a service principle like granting it permissions on the APIs, and then you can get the access token and, and start using it. And all the APIs listed on the official grafana.com API guidance are pointed directly from the Microsoft documentation that here's the APIs, just use them as you would use them without Azure in between. So this implies to me also without testing that the plugins work exactly the same. So this is perhaps something to test later on. Um, yeah, I, I actually yeah. uh, did a search just now because I just told everyone, hey, go search for it. And then why don't I go search for it? <laughs> uh, so I found the FAQ for this, which was recently updated because I couldn't find this before. And it says now the FAQ for Azure Managed Grafana. Um, does Azure Managed Grafana use the open source version of Grafana, first of all? No, it does not. So Azure Managed Grafana runs on the Grafana Labs commercial software, and that implements the additional enterprise functionality. So that's good that we get the enterprise stuff. And then the next question then is, how do I use or how can I use Grafana Enterprise plugins? And then the answer is, you'll have the option to add Grafana Enterprise plugins at a later date. So currently, that seems to be a limitation. And then finally, can I install my own plugins? Uh, due to security concerns, Azure Managed Grafana doesn't currently support custom plugins. So that's good to know. Uh, and I'm glad that I searched for that right now, because this is something that will, if I were to implement this now, 
I would first have to research what kind of plugins exist already. Can I use any of the enterprise plugins? Because it mentioned here, you can do that at a later date. Or will I now be limited to use Azure Monitor and SQL Server and any of the you know other listed things? And when will this open up then to other enterprise plugins? So that's a good thing to keep in mind then. I'm happy I did that search because I'm, I am looking into Grafana myself uh, or will start looking into Grafana myself. So that's, that's good to know. Okay, so, so this gives us the option then to once again consider if we actually want to run our own instance of Grafana without the managed bit, because if there's a limitation on a given plugin that we rely on, it implies that, okay, let's go with Docker or Windows or Linux. Definitely something to test later on. So lastly, sort of on the, on the capabilities is how do you monitor the managed Grafana instance? And there's the classic diagnostic setting. So you enable that, it will push whatever logs you wish to log analytics. And then you pick those up with maybe Microsoft Sentinel, maybe Azure Monitor, maybe something else. So it's relatively straightforward because it's the native Azure capability for monitoring a service. Um, lastly, the pricing. And often when we talk about pricing, it's, it's often something super complex in the sense that, yeah, it's this depending on that. And maybe if you use it like this, then there's this extra charge. This one is easy. You need to provision two nodes so that it's semi-highly available. So that's the minimum. The price per node is four cents per hour. So this is US dollars, cents equaling $65 a month, more or less fixed fee, 62 euro a month for the two nodes in total. And I, I feel this is actually quite affordable. What do you think? I mean, it's, it's affordable given, uh, well, I've, I've got obviously some questions here. I think it's affordable just for the instance fee because the, the amount of data that I ingest into my system is ridiculous. When you have multi-billion events happening across your systems that you are also monitoring. You get security events, you get activity logs, you get audit logs, you get normal logs, debug logs, exceptions, transactions happening to storage accounts and uh, security, Microsoft uh, Defender for containers, Microsoft Defender for storage. And like there's a lot of signals being sent, a lot of things being monitored. And that also means we have a lot of data being ingested. So in, in Azure, if you use App Insights or Log Analytics, I pay a hefty fee for the data that I ingest. I think that's going to be my question here. Uh, do you pay for the data ingested or do you even ingest the data or do you just look at the data when it's residing in the different data source? So is this just a cosmetic part saying, all right, we're going to paint the picture for you in your dashboards and do the queries for you, but the data is not actually ingested into Grafana? it still resides in whatever data source you have. And that's how I read it, that you connect Grafana to your data. You don't get all the data out and save it again inside of Grafana because that to me doesn't make sense. So that I hope that's how it works because then 62 euros for, for this is super cheap. It is. And what I did do, I used the Azure pricing calculator because it has the preview capabilities as well. And that's the pricing I got. But then when I later went to the Azure Managed Grafana product page and clicked pricing, it's telling the same prices, so about 62 euro a month. Plus, 
active users are about 5.7 euro per month. So about $6 on top of this, once you go beyond three active users. So three active users included with the 62 euro fixed fee, and then additional users, you pay a small fee on top of this, which is about 10% of the total cost. It's, it's very doable. There's no mentioning of data cost ingestion, anything like this. So this implies to me also that it's, it's querying directly on whatever data sources you have and, and sort of getting the aggregate values, perhaps a bit like in Power BI and telling that, yeah. okay, the amount of free disk space is X instead of, of consuming all the logs again and processing those, because then there would definitely be a fee for this. Yeah, then, you know, if you pay five bucks for, for any user above active three users, uh, that's fine. Normally, you don't have your entire company going into these dashboards. You have your admins or your operations teams or checkup teams or whoever to go and take a look at these things. Potentially a bunch of developers and QA engineers, uh, if you connect these to, to your uh, monitoring systems for QA and dev environment, and that's fine. I think that's a super affordable thing considering you know the bigger picture of what we actually spend money on. So that's, I would say, this essentially coming for free uh, given what we get in, under the umbrella. The only thing I would maybe be cautious about because I've, I've done this quite some time now with operations and, and sending data here, sending data there, making queries. And with the amount of data we have, one thing I would be very about or wary about is the transaction fees cross data centers, right? So if you use Grafana and that queries your data sources live and Grafana is in West Europe, but you're pulling data from across multi-regions, that means you might end up paying the transaction fees between the regions because your data is queried from West Europe and you're looking at data in central US region maybe, right? Then you may have to pay a transaction fee there, just like with storage accounts. If you have an Azure storage account in West Europe and you have an Azure function in West Europe and they are communicating maybe 150 million times a day, that's fine. No cost, zero dime for transactions. If you move one of those services to a different region, you pay for every transaction, right? And then it goes to a specific point you have to pay for every transaction. And that's maybe the thing I would try to keep in mind if you now say, well, this is pretty cool. I want to connect this to my super big system with a lot of data. And I want to run super complex queries with a lot of joins and a lot of filters and a lot of ordering and a lot of group buys and a lot of whatever. Those queries may be expensive, can also take some time to run them. But most importantly, if you're now aggregating data across region, make sure what kind of data you're aggregating and if there's any transaction fee in querying that data. Because that's the thing I've, I've ended up in, in a pit of despair, if you want to call it that, at some point where I try to figure out why do I have to pay for ingesting data here, or like I'm not ingesting data here. I'm just querying data in a cluster or querying data in, in log analytics. But I was doing that from multiple regions, hundreds of millions of times, and, and, and from different storage accounts, sorry, not log analytics. So I query data from different storage accounts, hundreds of millions of times from containers, from functions, from whatever, from different regions, right? And the amount of money I had to pay for that was higher than the cost of operating all the services combined, right? Just because I did a cross-query, cross-region query. So that ended up, just talking about architecture, that ended up with me re-architecting all of this. So we have 
per region, we have a deployment of all the resources that we need, which can scale down to zero pretty much. So if a region does not have to be actively worked on, it's not doing anything. But when we need to crunch data, it's being worked on in that region and we just send the results back to the other regions, right? So we have like isolated or region-based workloads now. Uh, and that saved a lot of a lot of money, like sixty percent of the bill, poof, gone. Something to think about. Um, I know that was a long comment about the uncertainty whether you have to ingest data into Grafana or not, but again, something to think about when you work with these things, real world, not just reading the marketing material. I think it's it's important to consider these things because there's always going to be a trade off, and there's always going to be like a checklist you want to check off. Is this going to make sense for me? Does it hold the security standard? Will it fit within my budget? How do I know that? What is the actual cost going to be? Not just the five users I have and the two instances. Will there be cost because I'm querying or making expensive queries to, to a storage account or to a log analytics or to something else? So just something to keep in mind. But that, yeah, sorry, super long rant and answer about uh, a very little thing. But if it can save you 60% on the bill like it did me, then, you know, I, I think it's worth exploring that. Just when I was stating previously, oh, this is a super simple model, just two nodes and 62 euro a month. And well, actually, <laughs> there's this and this angle of keeping in mind this and this, but really good insights. Uh, I think that's that's all we can really, really uh, talk about managed Grafana. It's relatively simple to deploy and manage and configure, but obviously majority of the work goes in to, to building and getting the data and building the dashboards. Alrighty, the last bit, the unexpected question. And based on my calculations, Toby, it will be your turn to surprise us with the unexpected question. Okay, I think I have a good one here. So, and the backstory of that is we were recently talk talking about having some parties in the house now over the summer, because there's a lot of weddings and a lot of parties going on in, in general. We thought why not you know, have a summer party in our house because it's the first real summer in the house where we actually get to enjoy it. And we said, we need a theme for that. And sometimes you have a Hawaii theme, sometimes you have something else. And we said, maybe just hats, just a hat party. You have to wear a hat. That's it. It's no big requirements. Just wear something on your head. So my question here would be, what would be the hat to end all hats? What could you wear on your head that would make people stop what they're doing right now and stare in awe and amazement? Like, what is the hat to end all hats, the ultimate hat? This is a great question. I do not own a single hat myself. I, I think I would look great in any hat, but for some reason, it's, it's not really in our culture or perhaps I'm too old to start wearing a hat or too young to wear those proper hats. I've, I've got an idea, and this goes back to a couple of episodes ago. Uh, you probably recall a meme picture, and, and I do hope it was a joke of the time and the IT bubble burst in 2000, or was it 2001? I saw a picture of, of, of a guy, and he had a hat with, with, with one of the bankrupt IT companies of the time with the logo. And he was, he was holding a, a sign with something. So people started editing that and eventually it became, we'll code HTML for food. And I figured, well, that's, that's hopefully it's a fun bit. But going back to a few episodes ago, when we talked about Sous Vide, 
I would definitely have a hat that says, we'll do sous vide for food, because, well, the food would be for me, obviously. But to, to have people stare in awe and amazement, I, I think they would go, so you see, you do know how to pronounce sous vide, right? And I was like, yeah, I do. But perhaps a hat with a small Raspberry Pi sort of device built in a super small LCD display on the side of the hat showing my Grafana dashboard so that I could access that anywhere I go. Yeah, but you could never see it because it's on your hat. So everyone else, you have to go up to someone <laughs> downtown and say, hey, I'm sorry, can you read what's on my hat? I need to know if, if there's any exceptions happening right now. Exactly. Do I have any alerts? <clears throat> but at least they would stare <laughs> at my hat. And I think that would be the purpose. Yeah, maybe in awe and amazement, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, you yeah. definitely have that. Or you can also have a like a voice sensor and an audio chip built in and a small speaker. So every time you say sous vide, it would actually automatically correct you and say, I'm sorry, you see meant sous vide. Yes, yes. That's the thing. Maybe so I'm, 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 I'm going to start planning on getting a hat. So thank you for joining us to talk, talk about managed Grafana on Azure. And uh, we'll cook something fun up for next week as well. Thanks. All right. See you then.